and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lynn Lemuel Miranda. <gasps> How did you get to be Lynn Lemuel Miranda? Did you eat him? Are you wearing him like a suit? Yes, I did. No. He's delicious, delicious suit. No offense, but we need him in this world. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to call you that from now on. I feel like you've been listening to the Daily Zeitgeist and you're doing an AKA. Mm, I have no idea what that means, but okay. Potatoes O'Brien. Oh. You have heard it. A- I think I've Jack O'Brien, it. AKA Potatoes O'Brien. I've, I've overheard it. And Miles Gray, who does always does a song. He really gets into it. Hi, we're the latecomers and we watch movies. Well, right now we're watching movies. Yes. This season, we're watching movies. From this month in history, and this month is... June. This month is June, and we are all the way up to 1998, and this week we watched Mulan. Mulan. We'll be watching two children's movies. Yes, back to back. And um, this one I was interested in, the next one I'm... Less interested. You don't want to tell that to people who are taking this trip along with you? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's going to be fascinating. It really. I think it's going to be good. We'll see. And it's not, it's at least an experience. Yes. But this week we watched 1998 Disney Animated Musical. Right. Was it, yes, it was a musical. It was a musical. She sang. It was Leah Salonga. It was a musical. Uh, and Donnie Osmond. Mulan. Wait, Mulan. Donnie yeah. Osmond. Donnie Osmond, yes. Did what? He was singing in the film too. Oh, I did not realize. Uh, I've never seen this movie. You've never seen this movie. Is that correct? We came in... Fresh, and when we finished it, what did you say? It was better than I thought. I actually enjoyed it. You said, it was really good. I, I did. I did, had no expectation of enjoying it. I don't, to give a background, I used to work at a school. I worked at several schools, actually. But you're talking specifically about the one with um, um, right. sort of developmentally disabled Development youth. and autistic youth. And so... More often than not, when lesson plans failed, everyone was herded into a room. Watch and a movie. Show a movie. Calm down and watch a movie. Talking dogs, singing animals. Um, there yeah, are it, an abundance of terrible kids' movies. Right, and I've seen far too many of them, so I kind of shy away from children's movies. But so many of them are actually really good. I can't good. see Happy Feet anymore because well, of the experience I had of a whole bunch of kids getting up and dancing every time the song played. I'm like, no, well, I don't want to be part of it. It's too sad to listen to Brittany Murphy. It is sad. She was a great talent. But, uh, so I had no expectations of Mulan. This but, has been hailed as a classic, I'm pretty sure. People do enjoy this movie very well, much. Well, it really was successful. Yeah. It was successful with what it set out to do. It's funny because I don't think I've watched a 2D animated Disney film in a long time. Right. I mean, I've seen Frozen. Mm-hmm. What was the last one that they did? Was it uh, Lilo and Stitch? I just got real... I went real hard with Pixar and kind of left Disney stuff behind. Although... I believe I did watch Rapunzel, and that's a 2D animated thing. Uh, and I believe that's also Disney. And I enjoyed that one very much. It's pretty funny. Mm. Tangled. It wasn't no, Rapunzel. Was CGI. But it was, was it? Yes, it was. Oh, yeah. It was really sophisticated CGI. It was probably one of those things that's a, a benchmark. I have a friend who insists that when you're watching... The hair? Yeah, when yeah. you're watching a film like this, there's a point Hair where, and water seem like the two hardest things to do. Yet they keep trying. Um... With digital animation, you can see where somebody sets up a benchmark, or even any kind of technology. Someone sets up a benchmark, it's too difficult to produce it on that level, 
So there's one film that stands out, and then there's a dozen films that have cheaper versions of the same mm-hmm, thing, mm-hmm. but as long as the audience accepts it. And I think we saw that with 2001. Yeah. Considering when it was made, this is a benchmark, and then there was a dozen other films, including Star Wars, which had shortcut Pieces versions of, it, yeah. of what you just saw. Yeah. And since the audience was able to go with that, you didn't see somebody just sort of go for it with that sort of vigor um, and eye for quality. Well, also money and time. Right. I mean, money I and that, time um, get you a long way. I find it funny that uh, when Prince of Egypt, the animated film about Moses, was re- which was also a, Disney, right? I don't know who was responsible for that. I think it was a really bad idea. I, I, I don't know. What about this story screams children's story? Well, I mean, to be fair, they're taking a lot of grim fairy tales, which are right. heinous in the story. But this and is a story where children are thrown into rivers and rivers turn into blood. Itself. And um, and came out the same year as it came right. out, also came out in But at the time, there was the comment, yes, this was a great, fun movie to work on, but it's so expensive, we'll never be able to do it again. And there was that realization, yeah, this, this is, you're not going to see this again. This is, it was too expensive. The work that got put into it, the innovative techniques were too expensive, so it was just not going to be duplicated on a mass scale. So this wasn't the first of a whole new set of animated films like it. This was a, a one of a kind. Hmm. I guess this one, uh, Mulan was followed by a direct-to-video sequel as many, if not mm-hmm. all, Disney films are, it turns right. out, called Mulan 2. And then... And this is the one where she commits suicide rather than marry a foreign prince. No way. Well, that's what happens in the actual legend of Mulan. Okay, that's fine, but in the Disney... Well, what I mean, though, is that, sequel, yes, obviously the legend of Mulan, or Hua Mulan, is left far behind in this presentation of the story. So I was just curious if that could ever make it sort of like... um Disney did Hercules, too, right? Yeah, I'm gonna spoil Mulan too. Uh-huh. Shang dies. Her her love uh-huh. dies, <laughs> and then she has to move on. Oh no, he didn't die. He he sacrifices his life to save Mulan uh-huh. and falls, and much like Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty, survives. Uh, falls uh, yeah off of into a river below, and then you know lives, and then um, she offers to marry one of the ruler's sons, and then Shang comes and stops the marriage. Blah, blah, blah. Mushu saves the day. I don't know. <laughs> Directed to DVD right. sequels are not the greatest. Anyways, and um, they are casting currently for the live-action version now of this. Now, this is interesting. Maybe you should go into who's in the cast of that film. So... Uh, well, let's talk about after we talk about this okay. one. So this movie, and I didn't look at the cast before we started watching it. Uh-huh. But as soon as Mulan started talking, I was like, is that Migna? <laughs> and it is, in fact, Migna. It's always Migna. But she does not sing. Uh, Leah Salonga is the singing voice from this Mulan. And I was struck by the clarity of the animation. Just because, like I said, I haven't watched a lot. And now everything is the CGI bubbly mm-hmm. right. designs, and this is very clean, crisp 2D animation. Right. It's very pretty to look at, but it felt old-fashioned to me already. I mean, really? it's been yeah, it's been what 20 See, years. To a person my age, the 3D animation is sort of a novelty. Mm-hmm. But I've seen enough of it now. I think that my brain automatically goes, "Oh, this is old-timey that we yeah. are watching." And not that it was a detraction, but uh-huh. like my eye noticed it when we started watching it. I was like, 
Oh, this is an old yeah, how do you feel about if you're watching like a Miyazaki film? Do you get the same kind of? It's it, his stuff feels old timey to me in a different way. His stuff feels very quaint mm-hmm. to me and very almost cottagey. Huh. But that's his style. Like right. his style very much feels like pretty drawings from the 40s and 50s. Even if mm-hmm. it's even if it's now or you know. Right. Well, I mean, when I'm looking at some of like uh, Princess Mononoke. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still like these shocking moments of real violence. Yeah, and that's horror. true. And but and so when it, you say Miyazaki yeah. to me, I think the like the Oregon uh-huh. commercials that have been on that are very bright, like more Kiki's Delivery Service, I right. guess. And I've never seen Kiki's Delivery Service. Which so is a very pretty movie. Maybe someday. It's really lovely. His stuff to me, I have to be in a specific mood to watch mm-hmm. because it feels lighter. Right. Even though it's not. That's Except when a lie. it's about two kids starving to death <laughs> during the war. Well, See, he didn't do. Uh, he he didn't uh, do, Studio Ghibli. Oh, oh did the they? Okay, yeah. but it's, that's um, not his. That's not his specific yeah. animation. I uh, I think it's because my son received a collection of Studio Ghibli films mm-hmm. for his birthday when he was very young, and so he went through all of them. Right. And so. There's a lot of, especially when you see the, the cuts that got released by Disney here mm-hmm. were clipped. Of course. And there were some films they didn't bother to do at all. The War with the Tanuki. Yeah. They didn't bother to because they didn't know how Tanuki. on earth. Is it, um, does it look like a raccoon? It looks like a raccoon. It's closer to a badger, I'm told. Here's what I know about Tanuki. Sometimes Mario gets to wear a Tanuki suit and then he can fly. Well, Tanukis are like in Japanese. They're like gods, right? Well, they're sort of the nature spirits. Okay. There's if you're going to a hotel, mm-hmm. especially when it allows gambling, the tanuki is a good luck animal, unlike a cat or a fox or other places. But the tanuki typically is sort of like the, the sad sack of the mythological animal kingdom in Japan. He always has an empty purse because he spent all his money gambling. Oh, no. Or an empty flask because he's been drinking. I don't think he's lucky. I think he's lucky for the casino, <laughs> not for the gambler. And he has remarkably enormous swollen testicles. Oh, right. Which in the world of tanuki, he occasionally balls up like a club and Max people over the oh, face. Oh no, with thank them. you. I don't want to why, see it with your testicles. That's why Disney cartoon could not. <laughs> Disney could not find a way of making that character or that film that never got released yeah, in English no. because this they could culturally not, won't cross over. Because there's in a whole a battle scene where they fight, and it's a really lovely, sad kind of film about uh, industrialists developing a field where the Tanuki live, and they decide since they have the power to impersonate human beings to sneak into uh, the cities and discover how human beings live and how to fight them. But the problem is, again, being tanuki rather than foxes or other animals right. that are brighter, they keep making dumb mistakes. Oh, no. In the and it's a, it's a very sweet film, but very uh, sad in a lot of ways. And a lot of testicles. And there's a big work. battle scene at the end where people pull out their giant testicles and whop people over the face with them. So yeah, no, that, that's not going to fly. <laughs> that, Disney's not going to be super on yes, board with that. They, they were not. But anyhow, getting back to this film, where yes. no one whops anybody with their testicles. Although there's a weird scene where she is, uh, Mulan is bathing in the river, and suddenly a bunch of the fellow soldiers run into the water naked and she's yeah. horrified by them. Yeah. <laughs> I never want and to see And you see her face as she's definitely seeing Dong. Right. And it's just like, this you is weirdly... You might want weirdly... to choose a different word in this context. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was completely oh, unconscious no. and please save that. <laughs> that was just a moment. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks to... Long Duk Dong. Yes. Terrible racism. Um, yeah, no, she's definitely she definitely sees Dick. Right. And I'm just like Disney. I like 
Like, I feel like if you zoomed in, uh-huh. it would be in her pupils. Like. <laughs> okay, so the first thing we see is... Huns. Well, no, the first thing we see is the wall. Right. The wall. And it's again proof that walls don't work. <laughs> we should show this movie to our president. Be to like, that nah, president, I still if they want to get in, part. they're going to get in. Yes. And there's soldiers up on the wall, and then there's grappling hooks, and then there are there be Huns. There are Huns everywhere. And right away, there is some pretty heinous violence. It doesn't appear on screen, but, like, a lot of people die in this movie. Now, here's something that I thought was a neat touch in this film. The violence, there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. It's conducted in a very kind of code, Hayes code kind of way. It is, yes. In that the violence is happening off screen. Yep. So you're screaming or burning in the background. Or you just, like in this case, uh, the Hun leader, Shan Yu, is there and he grabs basically a spear with a flag on it. Uh, and a soldier has lit the beacon, uh-huh. the, uh, the beacon fire to warn everybody that the Huns have arrived. And he burns the flag and then he just has a spear and then we just cut away but i'm just like oh he definitely impaled that soldier yeah. like that that dude no is definitely when dead. Um, the huns take out a group of soldiers that are on you know the heroic side and two of them are left he turns to his assistant and says how many men does it take to deliver a message and that's he's right he, drawing he his sends boat, them both which running is a very bond villain kind of moment yeah right? how many yeah and i'm just like it was really kind of neat he was very arch very but anyhow yeah that was a very blowfeld kind of moment yeah and then later well we'll get there right we'll get there but like there's a lot of death in this movie yeah it's i'm just like Oh, this is a children's movie about straight-up war. Well, I think that the the reason why that was important to emphasize the death is that this is a film that could easily be seen as glorifying war because it's about a warrior. This is not yeah. about a princess looking for her true love. Right. This is about a young woman who is kind of a ne'er-do-well. Yeah. Um, she doesn't know how to fulfill her role as the daughter of this great... She doesn't... Yeah, know what she really wants to be. She starts out, and she's not lazy in her chores, but she likes to find some shortcuts. Like, she um, ties the chicken feed to the dog, and then ties the dog to, like, a a thing that he can chase, and then he just runs around, and chicken feed goes everywhere, and then she doesn't have to do the chicken. And she has to go to the matchmaker. So that's how it opens. She's going to get herself married off to bring honor on the family well, because that's the all only, that she can be. But the, she's the only descendant or the only uh, She's the only child, child. Of, yeah. Um, and all girls can do is be married. She doesn't do super good at being... Despite the fact that I think it was very funny. Although I'm pretty sure she was sabotaged by her grandmother right. who gives her a, quote, lucky cricket who is definitely not lucky. Her grandmother is played by June Foray. Okay. Who is a comic actress from way back who is responsible for, I believe she is the witch in the old Warner Brothers cartoons. The one that was always chasing Bugs Bunny and disappearing in a cloud of hairpins. She's been doing this and she was, I believe, was she also uh, Rocky? Yeah. I believe she was Rocky from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Bullwinkle. She passed recently then. If that's true, she passed recently. She was uh, Jokey Smurf. She was Granny from the... Sylvester Tweety, and Tweety. Yeah, it's yeah, so funny because... Uh, and she really was actually just a sort of a lovely actress, too. Yes. I was watching a film recently where she was in it. Um, but but most of her stuff was right. voice work, I think. 
Oh, she was also Cindy Lou Who. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I do think that she passed within the last year because I think I remember... 2017, yes. ...when that happened. And so she goes to the matchmaker and the matchmaker's like, Mm-mm-mm. after she makes a mess of everything. And yeah, I love the, the bit about her writing notes on her arm. Too. She, yes, she had written notes on her arm because there's a, some sort of weird oath. Uh-huh. And then that gets sm- smeared and then wiped as like a, to look like a goatee on the matchmaker's face. She spills tea everywhere. It's, it's a mess. She's, and, and they basically say, you're never going to bring honor on your family. Right. So that's lovely. No pressure. There were, that's the other thing, though. We never saw any men in, like, it, there were five women going to the matchmakers. Uh-huh. No dudes. So I guess the dudes don't no, no. get humiliated in this way. <laughs> they just... They bring a different skill set to the marriage than the women have to. The emperor's... Representative. Representatives, yes, uh-huh. come... To say every family in every village basically has to send a man to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't have any man but dad. And dad was, uh, has already fought in a war, is in fact a hero, yeah. uh, we find out later, but has a limp, is injured. Right. Will not make it through a war, let's be real. Like, this is not going to. Well, the skill set is there. The heart certainly is, but the physical ability the physical to overcome ability. his injuries is not going to, to yeah. help. And we see a scene that's actually kind of touching where he tries very hard. Yeah, because he, like, leaves his cane aside mm-hmm. to accept a, the conscription. A nice piece of character development that he leaves the cane behind and forces himself to, to walk steady. Yeah. Um, so that nobody knows that he's injured. Although, well, not nobody. Just these, right, these, these strangers, people, because right. the, the, I'm sure the, the village the household has knows. seen him. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Mulan basically uh, volunteers as tribute. She's like, you know, I'm an, I, she st- steals his armor, mm-hmm. which he still has, and his sword, and his horse, I guess, and a tent, and goes off to war on behalf of her dad, cuts off her hair, right, and then doesn't come up with a name. Come up with a name before you get to where you're going. Come on. Uh, Mulan's horse is weird. It has a very tiny head. <laughs> this is this the really bothers me. The whole movie, you. I was like, really why is this horse's head so small? It's so like narrow and little. And then, oh, it turns out she is accompanied by Mushu. The Mushu is uh, was conjured by her ancestors who sent him out to protect her. He well, they sent him out to wake the stone dragon, stone dragon and who, he breaks the stone dragon, and yeah. then now he's going to go do it on his yeah. own, because otherwise I guess he'll be banished. I don't right. know. He will never be a, a, a family, a family guardian. guardian. Right. Um, he is about the size of a very small iguana. <laughs> yes, a lizard, at one but point, he has ears. At, well, because he's a dragon. At one point, um, when he first appears to... Mulan, there's a great scene where he appears in silhouette and does a whole kind it's of... It's maybe the greatest. <laughs> this whole kind of... Um, I what does he say? He preaches. He <laughs> does. He preaches and he, he appears in, in shadow, so with his eyes visible, which right. I don't know... Well, that's not a, how shadows work. This is, this is a dragon, <laughs> once again. Don't, don't. Oh, and Mushu is played... Yes, there's a lot of connections towards last week's film. With uh, last week's film. In fact, Mushu is played by Eddie Murphy. Right. So heed my word, because if the army finds out you're a girl, the penalty is death. Who are you? Who am I? Who am I? I am the guardian of lost souls. I am the powerful. 
powerful, the pleasurable, the indestructible Mushu. Oh, <laughs> pretty high, man. I am the powerful, the pleasurable <laughs> <laughs> Mushu. <laughs> yeah, he, um, at least he's not doing an Asian voice, so right, that's something. And he arrives there with unlucky cricket. Mm-hmm. We don't know it's not lucky, but it's like super not lucky, so we should figure that out early. I like the cricket. The cricket's doing his best, but he's not very good. And the powerful, the pleasurable Mushu. Which is going to be, if I ever get a Tinder profile, that's what I'm going to go for. No, for the sure. powerful, the pleasurable. That's right. It's so good. And then he helps her kind of sneak into the camp or and and tries to coach her, right? Right. And first of no, all... No, he has to coach her in being a man. In being a man. Right. Walk. Walk like a man. He gives her too many pieces of advice at the same time, and so yes. she winds up looking as if someone's kicked her very hard in her lower spine. Yeah, right. She's <laughs> she's all wobbly. I don't... I'm like, mm, just walk. Just don't, like, sashay, and you're fine. Like, walk. She meets three other soldiers, Yao, Ling, and Chen Po. He's a giant baby. He looks like a giant baby. And also, he is very zen. He's very zen and very, very, very large. Yes, especially compared to the other two. And she finally spits out a name, Ping. So that's what she's going to go by. And that's the name that... Um, Fa Ping. The powerful and the pleasurable Mushu gives her. Yes, finally. Because she's spitting out all these other names, and they're like, that's not a name. She says... Say Ling, and she's like, that guy's name is Ling. And I'm like, oh, yes, because there aren't more than two Lings in all of China? Come on. So she's Ping, and her skill set is nil. It's not good. Right, and at first they seem to be encouraged by the fact, well, who her father is. She's claiming her father is. And then uh, make the decision that perhaps he's the idiot of the family. Yes, which is why nobody knew he had a son. Hmm. She... Basically, it's falling behind and falling behind and falling behind. No, they have a, um, a, the Li Shang, right? Li Shang is the son of the general of the emperor's army mm-hmm. and the commander of this army. Captain, I guess. And he's he played by Didi Wong. Didi Wong, that's right. And he's sung by Donny Osmond. Oh, I didn't realize. Now, here's the fun part about this film is that one of her friends that she makes right away, although it's not her friend uh, off the bat because she starts a fight with him accidentally. Um, oh, Harvey Firestein. Is Harvey Firestein. And I like the yeah. idea that a movie about cross-dressing casts B.D. Wong and Harvey Firestein. Harvey Firestein, Who right. made their careers cross-dressing. See, I didn't know that about B.D. Wong. The first uh-huh. time I've seen him cross-dressed is in Mr. Robot, which uh-huh. is a very recent thing, not a long-ago thing. So what did he... Oh! M. Butterfly. He was in M. Butterfly. Right. That's right. It takes a certain, I guess, kind of finesse to play that part. Mm-hmm. I know that... There was a film version that was done, and uh, Jeremy Irons was the oh God, was he the diplomat, uh-huh. and John Lone was playing the character of the female impersonator who entices this man into a long, long affair, and he's not aware that she's a uh, man, which is based on a true story, oddly enough. Is it a female impersonator? Is this a trans person or somebody who was going along to get along? I have I don't, don't know, know the story that well enough. historically, and mm. historically we may never know because. Right. There may not have been those terms. There weren't, and, and there's a lot of conversation about whether the diplomat in question actually knew what was going on the entire time and only pretended to be surprised, and they didn't have sexual relations. 
Or they did, and he also right, knew. Right, claimed that they didn't. He was just entranced by her and had this long, long love affair with a person. The artificiality of her is the way that it was put when I remember reading about it. But anyhow, uh, so B.D. Wong actually played this but part. But there's no singing in it? Because um, I would think that he would have to sing. I think she, the character that he plays is a performer. She Pei Pu, a Peking opera singer. Okay. And so, as we know in the Peking Opera... It's um, very different. Yeah, well, it's, it's sort of like Shakespearean plays in Shakespeare's time. Young men were asked to play the female right. parts, mm-hmm. which is well, also why Jackie Chan enjoys wearing women's clothes sometimes, because he used to play female parts in the, the Peking thing. Opera yeah. as a kid. So he loves cross-dressing because he thinks it's terribly funny. Or maybe he just likes it. <laughs> Who knows? But originally, uh, for M. Butterfly, it was John Lithgow and B.D. Wong uh, playing the, the the French diplomat and the Peking opera singer. Gotcha. And eventually, Tony Randall and, um, and Anthony Hopkins and a lot of other people took over the part. Was he not seen, though? I just, is interesting. I, it wasn't a musical. Be, oh, okay. I understand. Got you. So, I thought it was very funny that these two actors who really came to the fore playing characters... Who would cross-dress. Who would cross-dress uh, yeah. got cast in Mulan, which... Yeah, especially Harvey Firestein. And there's a scene later on where they really push that joke. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. So Mulan is basically falling to the back of the class before any of their training. He fires an arrow into the top of a big pole, Mm -hmm. and then he's like, go get it. Right. But you have to carry these two weights. What is it? Leadership and, I don't know, two weights. Love and like, hate. I don't know. I forget. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, <laughs> so, or like teamwork and right. leadership or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Anyways, two weights. You got to take these two weights to get to the top of the hill. Nobody can do it. Nobody can do it. And then there's the I'll Make a Man Out of You song, which is like the main, like Lee Shank's main song. And it's a training montage, right? And mm-hmm. she keeps falling sort of further and further and further behind. And then he basically writes her off. Right. And it's like, you should just go. Strength and balance. Strength and balance. And this is something that I noticed at the time, because in martial arts, that's what the hand sign that gets frequently used across schools means. Oh, okay. The fist means the, strength, and the hand means balance or right. control. So a fist into an open palm. Right. And that's the most common kind of, especially if you're uh, introducing yourself to people across styles, that happens a lot. Right. You, you use that. So, so these are weights that are like, they look almost like... Coins. Uh, yeah, uh, like coins. Right. And then they're on ribbons. Right. And she, she, he basically wipes her off and she just is like, she's sort of packing her things and she's getting ready to go and she's like, I can't. And we're still in the song. Like, so she's not talking. And she's like, I can't just quit. Right. Like, I, that's, I've already dishonored my father as a woman. No, again, we have I to can't dishonor the her as a man. penalty of death over her head if she's found out. That's the other thing. That is true. Mushu says that in his entrance. If mm-hmm. they find out you're a woman, you'll, you'll be killed. Right. And she knots the weights together and then uses them to Use the hoist r- herself the up. The ribbon between them to sort of pull herself pull up. Pull herself up. And she is the first one to get the... Arrow. Right, and so up until this point, she's not accepted by the rest of the men, but that's the activity that she does. That's right. How she proves herself to men, which is right, and not right. just not accepted by be, just because, mm-hmm. but like she is like objectively the worst. Right. At all of their things, she's the slowest in the runs. Uh-huh. She's messing up the staff practice. Like mm-hmm. she's not. And, and the then, staff practice was pretty because it looked very much like it was taken out of a Jet Li film. Yeah. Like you're watching a scene out of Once Upon a Time in China right. or something. It was really well done. 
uh, then you see all of them sort of getting better and better and better, including her. Right. So, and then Mushu is like, we've got to prove ourselves, and he sends a fake report that is like it's from his father saying, you have to come here because the Huns are here and we need your help. Right. And when they get to that place... Which is in the snowy, snowy mountains. Snowy, snowy mountains, That's yes. important. The village that they are supposed to meet at has been burned down and there's nobody around. And then they go over a hill and you it's just bodies. Right. It's terrible. There is a great moment here, though. There's two great moments. And one of which is the death of the general, Li Sheng's father. Yes. And how we recognize that is that there's an empty helmet belonging yeah. to him that's found on the battlefield. Right. And he has a moment where he goes off to himself yeah. and he can't. And I, I should I also express that he's a really, really, and I like this about it, is a very hyper-masculine character. Yeah. And that's something that you get to, with a lot of Asian characters, they get sort of emasculated. Yeah. Um, Although hyper-masculine and not always the healthiest. Right, but, but but again, he gets he's to be been, as masculine as a white character would get. But to be. he, the the issue is that he's been trained to do this. Right, fighting and killing people is what he does. Although he's also being sort of undermined because the emperor's council uh-huh. thinks that he was um, Shifu. She Shifu. Shifu. Who, who is uh, James Hong? James Hong. Yes. Who, who I can never not see as exactly the right. duck from. The duck dad from Kung Fu Panda. See, that's, again, that's a generational thing, because that's for you. I'll always remember him as the crazy villain in A Big Trouble Little China. Oh, yeah, no, I haven't manifestations seen that since I was like eight. He plays the ghost of the guy, he plays the young version, he plays an old man in a wheelchair. He really gets to ham it up in that part. Oh, he hams it up in all of his parts. Right. But he thinks that Li Shang is only a captain because his father is a general. Right. Like he, he only he got there for that him very openly. Very openly. Mm-hmm. And that might be true. Right. Li Sheng might not have been ready for captain. We don't really know because we don't see his background. But now he is a captain and now his dad is dead and it's just right. him and his sort of ragamuffin team. And so in that scene, what I liked about it was the way that we're it's given for us to understand that his father is killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that one kind of shocking scene, again, for an animated film, where there's just bodies, there's bodies. everywhere. And it's a very, it's very brief. Mm-hmm. It's right. less than a second, probably. But the other scene that I really liked about that was something that was worthy of Val Luton, who we've talked about before, who's one of my heroes, the misdirection, letting you know something horrible is going on without you having to see it, which is Mulan finding a little doll. Yes. And you're aware of the fact that the owner of the doll is dead. This oh, yeah. Is a child who's because there's nobody. There's nobody around. Right. So that so that when she puts the doll down by where... So he puts a stake in the ground and Li Shang puts his father's helmet. Right. And then... And I guess maybe it's his, his sword? Yes, I think so. Um, and uh, she adds to it the doll. The doll. So it's an understanding of like the soldiers died, but... People died, People too. died, yeah. Civilians died. And that was a really neat moment, because everything you needed to know happened right there in that right. shot. Right, Without you having to see more than you already had. Right. You've seen enough to know how bad it is. Because it's a kid's Right. Hey, guys, it's a kid's film. Uh, and then they have to go into the past, because the, the, it, the past is the only thing... It's the it's the quickest way to the Emperor, so they know that that's where the Huns are going to go. Right. And so they go into the past, and they're not many. What are they? Maybe 25, 30? Right. They're not a big group. And they're in the past and they hear the Huns coming. And you just look up and there are hundreds and of this them. Was really... And it was like, oh no. 
<laughs> this is really well done. There are so many echoes in that scene. The first one I thought of was Cyan Phil's movie Zulu, mm-hmm. where the heroes look up the hills and they see just a line of thousands of sol- soldiers and you just a you know a handful of this or something from uh, the Kurosawa films that remind me of because you eventually get them all on horseback and they're running through the snows mm-hmm. at full gallop. It was really well done. You get a sense of you know shit. You <laughs> know that's basically yeah. what's going through your mind. What's followed is a really interesting battle scene where they kind of are putting up these hand cannons, which are surely really big fireworks, is what they are rockets. Yes, but they call them cannons, and they fire off a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. They fire off a bunch of them, and they're not really doing a whole lot. Right. Um, and then Mulan takes the last one. And well, Li Sheng tells her to make sure to kill Shan Yu. Right, that's that's his goal. It's like, if nothing else, we stop him. We stop him. And she fires and misses him. Like, he's right in front of her, but she's not aiming at him. She's aiming at the sort of rocky peak above him because she wants to cause an avalanche and take everybody Which out. she does, and taking out some of her own men yeah. <laughs> at the same time. Everybody gets taken it, out. Everyone gets taken out. When I say that this is a mass murder scene, I'm not overstating it. Scene, yeah. There would have been... Thousands dead, probably. Well, from the size of the army that's rushing at her. Because this is the entire army of the Hun. Right. It's all of them. It's not a contingent. It's like right. all of the Hun. And then they get just taken out, but the men from her side get taken out too, and a the avalanche bit, ensues yeah. because yeah. there's only a few of them left at the end. Yeah. Um, and there's a really neat scene where they all sort of work together to rescue each other. They learn how to become a team. Yeah. Um. And so they survive the avalanche, barely. Yeah, and they go back, they, they're they trying to get back to the mm-hmm. um, the capital city. So but something happens first, which is that during the fight with the villain, Zheng Yu, he slashes at her and cuts open her armor and injures her. Oh, that's right. So Li Sheng, her captain, is seeing, of course, she won the battle. Almost right. single-handedly, and so and then he, she passes out. Right, he takes her into the tent to make sure the doctor takes care of her, and of course, then her they find out revealed. that she has boobs. And he is supposed to kill her. He's being pressured to kill her. Yeah, but he doesn't, and then a life for life, a life for life, because she has saved his. She life. saved his life during the avalanche, and so he's saving her life by not killing her. Right, but then they kind of just turn and leave her there. Right, they leave her there so that she can get back by herself, you know, with her Hopefully, or die in the snow. Oh, but she does, and she has her horse right. and Mushu and, she has and Lucky Cricket. Her things, you know, her yeah. accoutrement. Yeah. Oh, right, her father's sword and uh, right. His armor, armor and the other things that she needs probably to get yeah. home. But then she sees, as she's on her trail, that some of the Huns have survived and they've gone to Including the, city, the capital city. Shen Yu is the main one. Who's Miguel Ferrer, we didn't bring up. I love him. He's wonderful. He has just the right voice for this big kind of gray. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has vampire teeth. And then, yes, he does. He has oh, fangs for some reason. It's unclear why. And I, I really believe that, and I think I might have read this at the time, the characters were designed to look like the caricatures that Arnold Roth, the cartoonist, used to do. And, well, I mean, if you were a little bit older, he did TV Guide a lot. That one in particular reminded me a lot of what he did. But anyhow, so the rest of the men go in to visit the emperor to tell them that uh, Shen Yu... Shen Yu is... Is gone. Has Shen Yu. Vanqu- been vanquished by snow. And they they are welcomed as the heroes, but they don't. It doesn't seem to rest easy with them. No. The fact that they're being. Well, be- I think because they saw that battlefield of just that the carnage. Fact that most of their men are gone, and yeah. that the actual hero of the battle is not there. To, not there, right? And 
So uh, there's a good sense there, too, that they feel betrayed by it. And you understand because there's an earlier song that they sing about uh, what they look for in a wife, that they want to go home yes, to Yes, yeah. Some, and, a, a girl worth fighting for. A girl worth fighting for. And it goes, which I don't understand why, because these songs are actually much more amusing and they're much more relevant to the actual story right. than a lot of the songs you get sort of randomly thrown into enemies. Yeah, and the, it, there wasn't a lot of, I mean, this is a musical, but there weren't that many songs and they yeah. all really did. And they fit, they moved the fit. story along. Yeah. It wasn't like when you're watching sometimes a musical film, even great ones like Carousel, everything stops dead for five or ten minutes. Right, and in this case, number. like the girl we're fighting yeah. for is their trip. Right. Like, they have to travel to the front, mm-hmm. right? And so while they're doing that, they're singing the song. Right. And by the time but the song is done, they're where they were planning on going. Everything that they, every song seems to propel this plot forward. Mm-hmm. I'll Make a Man Out of You, or even her first song, which is, of course, the really popular one, which is... Um, the Honor one, right? Right. The, yeah. So she sees that they're in trouble, and she goes to the city and tries to talk to them and make them understand that the Huns are coming and the Emperor is in danger. And they don't really want to hear her shit. But then the Huns show up. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, this person's in Mulan. She appears to know what is happening. She and Yao and Ling and Chen Po all dress up as ladies. As concubines. Concubines. Because yeah. no one pays attention to the concubines. And they're able to enter the palace, which is where Harvey Firestein kind of does. This make me look fat? <laughs> he does say this is disgusting. You look fat. It's, it's a really funny moment because yeah, yeah, he does it really well, and that's a mo- you know a wink to the audience, a wink to the parents in the audience. Maybe that's the joke. And then they defeat uh, Shen Yu's men, and then Shang um, prevents Shen Yu from assassinating the emperor, and Mulan lures him to the roof where they fight. Mm-hmm. And then Mushu uh, fires a large rocket at Chan Yu, which hits him and propels him into a fireworks tower where he dies in a big explosion. Boom. There's yes, a great children's so film. So much death in this children's film. And then Mulan is praised by the emperor. Everybody bows to her, which, you know, bow to ladies in China at this time. Um, Which was a really touching scene, too. That has some weight to it. Yeah, and she is given the crest of the emperor and the sword of the vanquished Hun leader as um, gift. And is off- she is offered to be uh, the emperor's advisor, which, poor James Hong, he didn't love that. He was like, what? Because he was a dick the whole movie. Right. <laughs> um, and she says, no, I just would like to go home and she presents those to her father now her her parents didn't know that she was they know that she has left now um but she didn't tell them before she took off she left in the night um and she goes home and they're so happy to have her back and then who shows up shang shows up and is like it's so cute because he like is enamored of her father like mm-hmm. really looks up to him and and he was a hero of his and so he's like i would like i have your helmet and also i would like to talk to the lady because i like the lady turns out um and then mushu gets to be a guardian right and 
everyone was happily ever and there's after. And a big dance number at the end. Yes. And you forgot to, we forgot to mention both of us how important the cricket is, the good luck cricket is to the entire film. The cricket He's hysterical. admits to not being lucky. Right. Which Mushu is very upset by because right. he feels betrayed that he's been lied to by this cricket. The cricket never, I need to be clear here. The cricket is not speaking English. Apparently the cricket can be understood by a dragon. And so any dialogue we get from the cricket comes from Mushu restating what has been chirped by the cricket. Well, it was kind of like R2-D2. Yes. And that somebody else is translating, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. (laughs) No, exactly. What do you mean this, that, and the other? Or a Groot. Right. Rocket. Rocket. Rocket? Rocket. Rocket or Thor. Or Thor. Uh, I Thor, took Groot. I Thor Groot. speaks Groot, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was very funny. Um, and that's the end of Mulan. She's a hero. Yes. And then we brought her back in um, Once Upon a Time, a show that we don't like. And, or, or how I, that okay, watch. I'll tell you why I didn't like it. First episode, I, was, I can go with this to a certain extent, and then we had a talking cricket. I was like, yes, that was Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy like, Cricket was no. a man character, and you didn't like it. You I, like the cricket in this movie, but you don't like the cricket in that. But it was an that. animated film. There's, some, there's certain things that you, you can go with. And if you're trying to do a more realistic version of fairy tales where I'm supposed to take them seriously, a talking cricket is not going to work for me. <laughs> I have my limitations. He wasn't a cricket, though. He was a man. Because there was a curse. The whole thing about what's fun time escapes me. I will probably binge it at some point when it's all, because it's kind of coming to a close, and then I will watch it on Netflix or whatever. I will not make you do it. And then now, in the push for Disney to make all of their live-action movies, they are making a Mulan live-action movie, which was supposed to come out this month. It's now coming out, I think, in November of 2020. They're still casting it. Um... And the story is going to be very different, apparently, uh, because the love interest is going to be a younger soldier. She will have, like, a captain um, that will train her, but that is going to be Donnie Yen, who apparently is too old for the love interest role. So the love interest is going to be played by a relative newcomer called, uh, named Yosin, Yosin An, who is a New Zealander. And then the bad, like the villain is going to be a woman, Miss Cindy Gonley. It's being directed by Nikki Caro, and there will be music. It is not a musical, but there will be music. So I'll tell you what I think could be a ter- it could be a horrible disappointment to a person like me. And the reason I give is that I remember when Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, Mummy 3, came out. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you put Michelle Yao and Jet Li in the film, and you wanted something out of that. They didn't fight. No they fighting. They did, very briefly. One fight. And I'm like, no. And what's funny is Michelle Yao is describing how when they were working out together, stretching before their scene, that they turned around and saw there was an entire crowd of like extras Just and watching them, because the way them. that they move... Right. They're legendary, right? They're moving. Yeah, they've been waiting 20 years to see these two people go at it. It's like, but but this isn't what we're doing. We're actually doing something pretty lame. And the film wound up being... Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just let them... A fight scene with Jet Li and uh, Brandon Fraser, and Brandon Fraser's son, and somebody else helping him, because this is Jet Li. And it was just... 
embarrassing because, because Brendan Fraser. Not, he's that's not he's his a big thing. guy. He's not. And he's, he's really not strong, a but he was just slower. Really slow. There's a reason why he's called Jet Li. You know that he was zipping around and it's, but. Um, so that was kind of a disappointment having these people in this movie, and then you don't get to see them do what they're famous for doing. Yeah. And so, um, so I'm hoping that and Jet Li is going to be in this probably as the emperor. Right. So probably also not fighting, right. but also I think Jet Li's in his sixties now, so he doesn't have to fight anymore. Uh, he doesn't have to, but he can. That's what makes but it amazing. Let him not. Right. I, I don't let know. Let him not. I would mm-hmm. like to see something from Jet Li. <laughs> Maybe he'll do Tai Chi. He's always done Tai Chi. Have you ever seen him do Tai Chi? It's amazing. Well, no. But um, but yeah. So uh, yeah. And and well, he's not sixties. He's fifty-five. I apologize. I apologize. He's a little tiny man that is beloved by women and dangerous to all men. So. He's the best. Yes, I have. Uh, he's had a very long. He's actually a very. And you know what? Maybe he should because he really is like Jackie Chan also is, a really underrated actor. Yes. Um Jackie Chan is seen in the next, or in the Karate Kid film remake, where he's sitting in the car that was wrecked when his family died in it. Um, and he has this really emotional scene, and you're like, damn, he's good. And people forget he's a, a performer since childhood. You know, He was in the Peking office since he was a very little boy. Oh, um, apparently... Um, Jet Li just had to refute. He's bald right now, mm-hmm. and he was looking a little bit frail. And so fans were like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and he's like, "I'm fine. I thank you. I feel great. I will tell you what this is about when I can tell you what it's right. about." So I'm just like, yeah, "He is an actor." So, right. but um, <laughs> what was the film he did with Morgan Freeman? Uh, Unleashed, and there's a dozen different Morgan titles Freeman's for it. Uh, yes, he plays a, bia- a blind piano tuner. Oh, I forgot that that was him. And but that movie is great. And Jet Li does a wonderful job of playing this completely—he's like a child, guileless killing machine. Yes. Who has a you know? It's like there's a he loves ice cream neck. and murder. Right, and you <laughs> untie the collar. Bob Hoskins is a real dick bag. <laughs> right, in that he's movie. great. And Bob Hoskins is like, why am I doing this movie? I'm 60. I'm getting beat up by Jet Li. I'm getting thrown around. It's like, why? Why now? At this point in my life, am I doing this film? But um, but that's the film where you can really see his abilities as a performer. Yeah. He goes oh, he's so, so, so good in that. This, and he, it's a mostly mute performance, too. He doesn't mm-hmm. say a great deal. Mm-mm. It's a lot of face work. Right. And his body. And you think, on the one hand, um, yeah, not, no, he really is a person who's physically mastered his body. Mm-hmm. So the scenes well, yeah. where he's like a frightened kid, he really projects really that. He really projects that, yeah. And then goes into these other scenes where he's just a killing machine. But yeah, yeah it's a really good film. So I'm looking forward to what they do with it. Um, Comes out in 2020. I haven't seen any of the live-action things mm-hmm. in theaters. So we're talking about Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Maleficent, I guess, falls into the same category. Right. Um, they're doing A Little Mermaid, although I'm not clear if the Little Mermaid commercials that I've seen are real or if they're fan-made. It's hard to tell now. The fan-made stuff is getting to be as good yeah, as what you can now. Yeah, and the Little Mermaid's a weird one. They're also doing live action. Um, well, I don't think it's Disney that's doing it, but the Winnie the Pooh live action thing that's coming out this summer, Christopher Robin, mm-hmm. which I super want to see. It looks 
very cute. I will be crying all the way through it. And um, the Jungle Book. They're doing another live-action Jungle Book. I guess it's grittier. Andy well, this is, is I don't believe it. it's going to be um, a musical like no. the last one. Oh, the last one was a musical, the last huh? Last one a musical. It was um, pretty good, though. I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed. Uh, there was some really uh, funny bits. Like I love how the um, the king of the orangutans, in this case, is a gigantopithecus. He's a, a yes. prehistoric monster. King Louis. And he's photographed. And I noticed that even when the, you know I was watching the film to imitate Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. Oh, interesting. Which is really very That makes funny. a lot of sense, actually, yeah. He's in the dark, kind of mumbling at you. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a really, it's a very funny callback. So I have, I've tried to, because Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast are both on Netflix, and I have put both of them on and fallen asleep within the first 20 minutes of both of them. And I don't know that that's the fault of the film. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. But I have not made it through either of them. Well, okay, so, and this goes into a very funny anecdote that you can cut out if you want to. Okay. For me, one of my personal great moments, <laughs> we were in a theater, me, you, and our other roommate, um, were watching Skull Island, Kong. Kong, Skull Island. And, uh, and so we're in the, in the, the Grand Lake, this beautiful old movie palace in Oakland. Oh, it was Grand Lake that we saw that. Right. And yeah. I, I go out for a minute to get drinks or something. Mm-hmm. And there's this absolutely beautiful young girl. She must be 14 or 15. Oh, yeah. In a, a, a exact replica of Belle's dress. The gold the one? Movies, right. The yellow one? Yeah. And it was astounding. It was like this cosplay. And she was there and she was just the center of attention. Was she there to see Beauty and, and the Beast? There, right. So she's there to see Beauty and the Beast. And, um, and I'm standing next to her at the concession stand. And she kind of nods to me and I said, you're, you're here for calm, right? <laughs> and she just kind of tosses her head and walks like, uh, ain't nobody got you're time for idiot, you, old, old man. man. That's right. <laughs> I had to sneak that in. That's but yeah, it was funny. great. She, she was wonderful. Whoever she was, I apologize to her. I'm sure she's fine. <laughs> yeah. She saw the movie. She didn't she notice the, yeah, right. And I love the original Disney animated Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Cinderella. Um, so I don't have as much of a connection yeah. to that. Uh, but I should try and watch the it The one I really liked was Sleeping Beauty as a kid because it was there was a real... The villains were scary. It's yeah, kind of like, um, and she says hell. <gasps> right. She and swears. Turns into a dragon. She has this coterie of little kind of That's half when wit- she says hell, when <laughs> she's a dragon. She has this coterie of little half-wit demons or goblins that are following her around, and they're not too bright, but they're very scary. And I know that I that en- was an issue for audiences at the time. I enjoyed the live-action Maleficent mm-hmm. um, for what it was. Right. Uh, and I thought it was beautiful. Like the set, de- the set design and the art direction and everything, and the makeup was all very beautiful. The mm-hmm. plot was The makeup was pretty meh. But, oh, was it? I appreciate also the fact that the boy prince that she loves in the beginning turns out to be the one trying to kill her at the end, and that was an interesting twist to me. Spoilers! Well, yeah, <laughs> but Maleficent, that's really not the reason why you're watching the film. The plot it is really visually beautiful, and it a is. lot of great work went into it. Um, so it's worth watching just for that, I think. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that, I think, brings us to the end of Mulan. You enjoyed it more than you thought you were going to. I enjoyed it much to. more than I thought I was and going I to. And I was more shocked by the violence than I thought I would be. But the violence was presented in such a way that it was very discreet, so it's not like it we, was. we were talking last week It about was about as, I mean, it was as violent as a war movie needs to be. Mm-hmm. And as 
discreet as a child's movie needs to be. Very good. Yeah. I think that really it just it needed to not glorify war. Yeah, and I don't think that it did. And it did not. But yeah, we should definitely send it to Donnie. Donnie Trump. Hey, look. Walls don't work. All right. Do you have any current recommends? Yes, a film we saw today, in point of fact, uh, Hotel Artemis. A Hotel Artemis. Which, um, following the recommendation I made last week, yes, is also a violent film. So violent. But it was less violent than I thought it was going to be. It was. And there were some very strange directorial choices. But, um, at the same time, it was a really good film. We saw a film a couple of years ago, John Wick. Yes, And love we saw it. the sequel. So much. It. Um, Can't wait till the third one. It's a very kind of violent action film. It's very surreal. It takes place in a kind of an alternate world where assassins are hit. Or, or like a shadow world for right. this one. It could be. It could be this has, world. You know, but also there are a shit ton of their assassins. Own, <laughs> their own currency. They have mm-hmm. their own you know, special weapons. So it's almost like something out of Batman. Yeah. But it's, uh, and there's not much plot to it other than a retired... Well, the first one specifically. Right. A retired hitman who comes out of retirement. Comes out of retirement. Is um, forced out of retirement. Right. And uh, and the sort of lengths he goes to, and it's like, what I appreciated about the film was that there was a lot of practical stunt work yeah. in it, that um, when you're watching action movies, superhero movies generally, they're doing this weird kind of melange of martial arts. It's Korean kicking and Thai boxing and whatever else they can... And nobody this, knows but you. But this movie was very strictly, the stunt choreographers went all with, let's just do Japanese martial arts. Right. And so it's really authentic in terms yeah. of martial arts. It's crazy authentic in terms of martial arts. So it's like, it's great stuff. So all the action was authentic. It felt real. There's a lot of realistic moments to it. It does not have all sorts of goofy things where people are jumping off of buildings or making 50-foot leaps. Right. Which has become the thing. But this film today kind of seems to exist in the same world. Yes. Um, where it's a hotel that criminals pay a membership to. Yep. And they can go in to get patched up when they're injured. And there's a lot of great performances. Sterling K. Brown is great in this. He's great in everything. As the guy dragging behind his sort of uh, attic brother. Attic brother, yeah. Who makes bad decisions. There's Sophia Butella, who's doing great. I, I was like, is she, was she an MMA fighter? She is always a fighter. She apparently was a dancer, mm-hmm. and she does parkour, uh-huh. and she got good. trained really extensively in Taekwondo for um, uh, Kingsman, Kingsman. and yeah. then just went for it because she was doing such so many martial arts. She was in the, the first Kingsman So she's, She movie. does Taekwondo now, she does Muay Thai, so it takes advantage of her dancing background and, and really and strong physique. Sort of, yeah, yes. And yeah. Um, She's a badass. But Jodie Foster and Dave Bautista... Yes, so good. Are great playing this uh, Everest. Is, well, you can guess which of those two would be Everest. And you're a tiny lady. You're not going to stop anybody. And Jodie Foster, who's playing this, who's aged up and aged really up. deglamorized mm-hmm. in this part. Yep. As playing this uh, nurse. That's how he refers to her. Who runs the place. Who runs the place. Yeah. And has these very specific roles. And there's a lot of great kind of cameo appearances by actors in the film. Yeah. Uh, Zach Quinto... And Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum and Jenny Slate kind right. of round out the cast. Oh, and uh, Charlie Day doing a very strong TF Paul F. Tompkins uh, right. impersonation. But um, and but playing just the peach of a man. Yeah, that kind of a piece <laughs> of work, really. <laughs> I don't. Has he ever played a likable person? Yes, he did in Fistfight. Yeah, he was pretty likable in Fistfight. We watched that movie the other day, and that was 
that was one of those movies where I I would put it on and be like, well, I guess let's watch like five minutes of this, and then an hour and a half later it's ending. The same thing happened, I think, with one of the Rock Kevin Hart movies. Right. Where I was where like, we'll, we'll check this out, and then it was an hour and a half later and the movie was done. We're like, oh, right. shit, well, we watched the whole thing. This fight is incredibly, pro- like everything about it, reminded me in a way of The Hangover. Yeah. And everything from the premise to the end of it's the film ridiculous. is completely wrong. Everything about yeah. it is wrong, but it works as a comedy because everything about yeah. it is wrong. Um, and Ice Cube's doing some excellent work. Right, he's very funny. Uh, and Christina Hendricks is like yes, the, a psychopath, the very dishy psychopath who yeah. works on the staff. The, the you know the butterfly knife. Um, but yeah, so we saw that film today. And it was actually very good. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. There was a lot of good drama in there. There's a lot of comedy, um, um, and some great action scenes and everything. But I I really found it entertaining, and it was the good test of any action film that certainly passed, which is. Are these guys going to make it? You get worried about whether or not they're going to get out. Yeah. And that doesn't happen when you have cardboard characters. I don't really know, and maybe you'll find this insulting. I don't really care if the characters come out alive of um, Fast and the Furious. Oh, yeah, me because neither. The situations Although, are so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. well, the thing with the Fast and the Furious is they they don't kill main characters on right. screen. They only kill main characters off screen. So I'm like, these guys are going to be fine. It's going to well, be fine. Their film, stakes are so low because the things they do are so bonkers. It was a film that started, and it, the first movie was about street racing. I and that know, was I remember. And now international criminals and submarines. And the rock flexing out of right, cast. Flexing out of a cast and kung fu fights. Like, when the hell did all this start yeah, happening? No. It's just who's weird. a good guy, who's a bad guy, who mm-hmm. even knows anymore. Yeah, no, those those movies are crazy. I enjoy the out of them, but they're, they're bananas. Really, they're like the seventies Bond movies where there's almost no stakes at all. It's just one outrageous thing after another. Um, but as you saw, films in the seventies, people needed that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I need a break. So you're yeah, uh, Hotel, Hotel Artemis. Artemis. Is yeah, that's worth watching if you like action movies. If you can put up, it's not nearly as violent as the film that I recommended last week. Yeah, all right. And what am I gonna? Yeah, what are you gonna recommend? What am I gonna recommend? There are so many movies out right now that I have not seen yet. There are like four that I are in theaters that I need to go watch. I'm gonna recommend a movie that I haven't finished watching, but I think I like it enough. And I fell asleep in the middle of it. That's not the movie's fault. That's uh, my fault. Right. Um, I, I was exhausted. And I may cut that part out. And it's called Dave Made a Maze. It's on Hulu right now. Uh, it stars Nick Thune and a bunch of other people <laughs> that you have probably seen, including um, O. Kristen Vangness, who plays Penelope Garcia in all of the Criminal Minds properties. Okay. Um, and it is a surrealist, Story. Like, if you like a Michelle Gondry, mm-hmm. you'll like this. Okay. Um, Dave built a TARDIS-like cardboard maze in his living room. It is so much bigger on the inside than on the outside. And then it's got booby traps and a minotaur, and he needs help getting out, and his friends come in to save him. And uh, hilarity <laughs> I thought you said um, some carnage ensues as well. Some carnage ensues too. Um, and it's 
sounds bonkers and like it absolutely will not work, but it really works. And it speaks about creativity and the artistic mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Dave's never finished anything. That's like his whole like problem in life. And he wants to finish this maze. And so, um, and it's what that means for a creative. And Mm -hmm. so if you have Hulu, Dave made a maze. Recommend. Two thumbs up. Okay. That's it, I think. I have to say this. That's it for this week. Uh, for our last viewing in the month of June, we are going to watch Kit Kidridge and American Girl, which apparently, like the Transformers, is based on a toy. A toy. So. Has there ever been a good film based on a toy? I mean, Transformers. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Uh, let's give that some thought and revisit that <laughs> that question next week. I don't know. Lego. Lego movie. The Lego movie. There you mm-hmm. go. Because the Lego movie is better than it has any right to be. Um, but in the meantime, uh, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review or a rating. That would be amazing. If you want to get a hold of us, we are at Latecomers Pod on Twitter. We are on Facebook. Um, we have a page and a group. Come join us. Stop by. Say hi. Um, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. Uh, Lemmy Will's book is for sale on Amazon. Feeling Night. S E E L I N G N I G H T. And I think that's everything. So thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next week. And remember, better late than never. never.